What's up, everyone? Welcome to the second edition of Living the Stream. Uh, I'm JJ Zacharyson, the late round quarterback. You probably know me better as. And I'm joined by my co host, Denny Carter. Denny, how's it going? Hey, JJ, I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing all right. I realized last time, whenever I introduced you, uh, that I said my co host and new father as if like you were my, my dad. <laughs> like. I just want to throw it out there to everyone that uh, Denny is not my dad. I'm not. I'm, I'm, I am significantly older, but I'm not JJ's father. That's right. But he is a father. He has a new child, and that's fun. But I do. I, do. I, just, I really did want to clear that up just in case anyone was <laughs> yeah, wondering. I think a lot of people were, were uh, thinking that uh, I was your dad. And, yeah. You know, that our, 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 you know, that's why we don't argue on Twitter is because we just do it in the household. Right. Yeah, that's, that's exactly it. We have a very good Twitter relationship just so that nobody ever questions <laughs> right, you know, exactly. your, your abusive nature inside the house. Un- unlike you and uh, the New York Times uh, fantasy guys, man, yeah. you, you had an epic back and forth today. I did have an epic back and forth today. I actually, I'm, I'm going to save some of that for the rant later because, gotcha. because deep down I, 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 th- I think... I have a good point, and I want to. I'll save it for the rant, but I think that it's a solid point, and I think that that it's actually kind of eye-opening. So there's a little teaser for you guys. But uh, you know, tonight I think uh, Denny and I will talk through some of the uh, the upcoming playoff games. Uh, you know, just some high-level stuff. Just talk football, uh, and then we'll get into some of our top ten of 2013 because it's never too early to do that. Uh, and then finally, we'll end with our Epic rants. Um, so, Denny, let's start with uh, some of the games going on this weekend. Let's start in the AFC. Uh, who you got one in the, the New England-Houston game? Well, I'm actually uh, – <laughs> I, I know that uh, Dan Shaughnessy uh, trolled basically the entire football <laughs> world on Monday or Sunday when he wrote that column about the Patriots having another bye week uh, against the uh, Texans. But I actually I'm, – I'm in line with that, that thinking. I mean – I don't think it'll be close. I I thought the Texans have been vastly overrated for for months now. Not not just the past couple of weeks, for months. I I couldn't believe that the Bengals couldn't pull pull that game out last week. I thought the entire game that they were going to do that. And uh, I think the the Texans are going to walk into a buzzsaw and just get just get trounced. Yeah, I think I think that you're. I mean, I think you're exactly right. There, there, to me, doesn't really. Uh, it, the Patriots have to be the most complete team, I think, uh, at least on offense, uh, left in the AFC. Denver, I mean, we'll get there in a second, but Denver, uh, I think that they're, they're, you know, their back half schedule is such, such a cakewalk that it's difficult to really comprehend how they're going to perform. Uh, but, but like you said, you know, Houston, you know, it, the, the Houston-Cincinnati game, now, for those who don't know, I do live in Cincinnati, and uh, I'm a Steeler fan in Cincinnati, so I was rooting heavily for the Texans to win that game. But I think, really, I mean, Houston was, was the better of two evils. I mean, the, bo- both offenses looked pretty horrible. If Arian Foster was not a Texan, 
that game could have ended up being 10 to 7. I mean, it was it was just brutal. It was just not an interesting game to watch. Uh, so I think, you know, offensively, Houston's definitely limited. Their their secondary should get just completely trounced by uh by Tom Brady. I just I cannot see Brady losing that game. No, no. I mean Gronkowski's back and you know everybody wants to talk about the 2010 uh Jets coming in and, and upsetting New England at home and everything. I get it. I get I get where the comparison is, but the thing is that those Jets were white hot rolling into those playoffs. The Texans are as fumbling, bumbling a team as you can get right now. Right. Gary Kubiak, you know, basically craps himself every time he has to uh, make any kind of call, make any kind of call on on third and short or fourth and short. Uh, that ultra conservative, uh, 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 you know, take that he has on on basically every play call is going to come back to bite them, and I, I think that the Patriots are going to get out to a huge leap. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I, I, I mean, that's a great point with the Jets. A lot of people, you know, obviously it's in any given Sunday situation, but, you know, it's, I mean, I, I just, mathematically, <clears throat> logically, I just cannot see Texas winning that game. <laughs> right. Um, so the other game, let's move over to, to Denver and Baltimore. I'll start with that one because I, I have let it be known that I do not like Baltimore and Joe Flacco. Um, you know, he's, his, his road record, well, his road play is just it's atrocious. I mean, the fact that this guy has ever been in discussions to be a top 10 quarterback in the league, to me, is a joke. He, on the road this year, he's thrown seven touchdowns and three picks, but three of those touchdowns and one of those picks came against the, the Redskins, which, if you really want to get technical here, is not very far from Baltimore. But <laughs> I, I, I do, I do, uh, I do think that Denver is going to take this game. I don't think it, it shouldn't be close. I think it's going to be one of those games where Baltimore, I think the spread's like minus nine or something. But Yeah, I, yeah, it seems like a lot. Yeah, I, I, I could see Baltimore covering, but I, I think it's one of those games, you know, maybe Denver goes up 24-10 or something and, and Baltimore gets a late touchdown and it, the, the score indicates a closer game than it actually was. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I can see that. I mean, the, uh, when, when they played each other in week 15, uh, I talked about this a little bit in a uh, fan duel article that I wrote about uh, optimal lineups for this weekend. Uh, when they played in Week 15, the uh, the Broncos' offense, uh, you know, didn't put up incredible numbers because Peyton Manning only had to throw the ball 28 times. Right. They basically shut down the offense for the entire fourth quarter and let Noshawn Moreno blast through just gaping holes in the in that in in that uh, Baltimore defensive line. And I think. That they're uh, they're going to do the same thing uh, this weekend, but I think that uh, you'll you'll see a little more uh, a, l- a little more aerial uh, assault from the Broncos against the uh, Ravens secondary, which has played about middle of the road since the uh, uh, for the past six or eight weeks. Yeah, you know I, that's another thing is uh, I was I tweeted the other day that that the last time those the, these teams played, uh, Anquan Bolden and Torrey Smith had a combined one catch. Yeah, I mean it was it was that bad, and, and it, someone then tweeted back to me, "Well, yeah, well, Adrian Peterson had 400 yards rushing against the Packers this year, and then he goes in the playoffs and doesn't, you know." And, and I'm 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 thinking to myself, it's a lot different when you're comparing greatness and you're comparing those type of performances, and and keeping up those kind of performances. I'm not saying that Torrey Smith and Anquan Bolton will combine for one catch, but I think that it is kind of telling as to how good that Denver defense can play. Yeah. Yeah, they, I mean, look at the the outside receivers. 
uh, against a, a defense like the Broncos or like the Seahawks this weekend. Uh, the outside receivers get shut down by uh, by really good cover guys, especially Champ Bailey covering probably Torrey Smith mm-hmm. uh, in this game, and that leaves you know that leaves the Pittas, that leaves Ray Rice and Bernard Pierce to get little dump offs. Uh, uh, I I would say I mean I, I would put over under for catches from Bolden and and Smith combined at maybe six. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, and I might take the under there. Yeah, honest, I, I'm with you completely. And obviously, you know, we, we talked a little bit last time about um, the Denver's defense against tight ends and Pitta just destroyed them. But, you know, to be fair, a lot of the, a lot of the Pitta action in that first game was garbage time. Uh, it was. But, but, I mean, it's still, it's still another, you know, for if any of you are playing weekly games, Pitta could be a, a decent option. I'm not sure what his value is right now on a site like FanDuel. But I know that you just mentioned the uh, the outside receivers for Atlanta, and I know that you have some undying love for Harry Douglas this week. So tell us a little bit about that. I do. Uh, you know, listen, any guy who uh, catches 20-some passes in an entire season, I mean, you have to you have to really push that guy when it comes to yeah, the postseason, right? Yeah, of course, right? of course. But uh, I, I, I actually I wrote an article for the Fake Football this week on uh, Harry Douglas and his prospects against Seattle because basically looking at the year-long uh, stats against the Seattle secondary, which is you know pretty much nightmarish when they're all yeah. healthy and, and not suspended, uh, uh, the only people who had any success uh, were, were slot receivers. Uh, and uh, so you, know, you, you look for that again, maybe. I mean, Douglas doesn't get a ton of, uh, a ton of looks on a weekly basis. But if uh, Julio and Roddy are shut down on the outside, then uh, that leaves uh, Tony Gonzalez and Harry Douglas as the you know two beneficiaries. So uh, obviously, I think Gonzo has a nice game coming, uh, you know, as as he has a lot this year. But uh, Harry Douglas, for me, is a guy who makes a lot of sense as a as a as a big value pick. Right. He's only five thousand right. dollars in uh, in Fanduel. It frees up a lot of cap room to invest in, you know, in another solid uh, running back, or uh, you know, if you want to go all in on on a on a big time quarterback or something. But uh, so yeah, I mean, Harry Douglas is worth consideration, especially if you're if you're really tight on that 55k uh, FanDuel lineup. He's he's really valuable there. Yeah, I, I actually, I mean, that's a that's a very very good point. I think. You know this the game in general. I feel like Seattle matches up very well against Atlanta. Uh, they're much more physical. Atlanta struggled against that physicality this season. Uh, you know the the if there's one knock in the the Atlanta defense, it's always been their their rush defense and their secondary has played pretty well this season. But Marshawn Lynch should be able to have a field day against Atlanta. Um, yeah. So I, I I'm I'm picking I'm picking Seattle to win the game. I think it'll be fairly close given it's in Atlanta. But again. Uh, I think you know it's it's tough to go against the hot team in Seattle, and you know you and I both love Russell Wilson. I know that, yeah. And uh, it'd be awesome to see him see him get to the NFC Championship. It's uh, all Russell Wilson everything, right? Is that it's what all, the hashtag is? Yeah, all Russell Wilson everything. <laughs> that's right. I feel I feel like that's caught on in the preseason. It was like I felt I felt like uh, only like fantasy hipsters were yeah. into Russell oh, Wilson yeah, for sure. You know? 
and and, and now now it's like a mainstream thing. So it, you know, <laughs> just, just for me, it makes him a little less appealing because now everybody loves Russell Wilson. Yeah, right. But you know, I, I liked him better when he was a hipster favorite. Dude, for sure. I remember. I, I I remember it was like when we first started to you know tweet back and forth and such and and, yeah. and show our love for fantasy football and share that with each other. And we. Uh, we talked a ton about Russell Wilson, like a ton. Yeah, and right. and ever, I mean, like it was, it was, it was a little out of control. And I mean, you look back, and the, the tweets were were as if he was an, a top tier elite quarterback. I, I know. But but what's crazy is that from like week seven or eight on, he was a top tier elite quarterback in fantasy. Uh, yeah, top ten, right? Yeah. So uh, suck that, everyone. Yeah, you know, actually, <laughs> for the fake football, I. Uh, one of my bold predictions that we put out in August was that Russell Wilson would end the season as a top 10 quarterback. Yeah. And when I said it, I was like, man, that is, you know, that's beyond bold. That's, yeah, that might be bold. just stupid. So, uh, you know, he started the season slow and, and, you know, he really had the handcuffs on him. Uh, uh, I think he only threw like, like 14 times in one game. And I was like, Oh, okay. So this guy's not even a top 20 <laughs> yeah. quarterback, yeah. but then his hot, finish i think he finished like 12th in standard league yeah, so did, it was yeah. close yeah well and i'll i'll get into uh that whole ranking thing like i said later in the in the pod i think i think yes. it'll open some eyes uh so the last game we got green bay and, and san fran who do you like in that one uh you know i uh i want to like green bay and and just because uh san fran looked uh you know pretty vulnerable at times uh late in the season but uh, I, I just I have to believe at home, uh, Justin Smith is supposed to play for San Francisco. Uh, we saw we all saw what a big difference that makes. Yeah. And I, I'm a, I'm a huge Kaepernick believer. Yeah. Uh, so I think um, I think that they they pull it out. I think it's it's probably close. Uh, but actually, I I can't I can tell you I, I wouldn't be shocked if the Niners you know won one by two touchdowns here. Yeah, I, I think this is the one game that you and I will disagree on. I, I, I think, you know, it, although that New England game, uh, you know, went in the, in the Niners' favor, I think that second half showed that they could be vulnerable. And even yeah. when it got close, they the, the defense really opened up. And I, 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 I actually, you know, so on my way to work today, I, I will admit that I at times listen to ESPN radio on the way to work. This is, oh. kind of, this is pretty depressing, but... I uh, I was listening to Mike and Mike this morning, which that alone was kind of uh, <laughs> it's kind of awful. But so I was listening to them this morning, and, and one of the one of their little fact things they were doing like true false or whatever some something that they thought was really creative but is not at all. And right. and they uh, they it was you know true or false Aaron Rodgers will throw for three hundred yards and zero touchdowns, and both of them said true. And to me, it's like it's like how do you to me, it's like, how do you just assume something like that? Like, you can't project that. You you can't project that. And he's playing. He's playing the Niners defense. And, and like everyone, everyone talks about Aaron Rodgers being this god. And I'm just getting getting out of control upset about it. And it's not even. It's not even because of my philosophy and my handle. And my, <laughs> like, it, it's not Are even you because sure? of that. Yeah, it's 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 legitimately. I mean, I get how good he is. I was actually back uh, when he. Back when he was a rookie, I think it was, when Favre was still in the league and, and all, I went to a Steelers-Packers uh, preseason game, and I, I was with a buddy who's a big Packers fan, uh, and he you know came into, into Pittsburgh, and we went to the game, and we were watching Aaron Rodgers, and I looked at my, my buddy, I was like, 
holy crap, we that's a future star. I mean, like you yes. could tell that he had he had everything, just everything. I have been a huge, huge Aaron Rodgers supporter his entire career. I love I've I, I, I wasn't even mad when they beat us in the Super Bowl because he was that good. Like you can't right. you can't even you can't be mad. And right. and now though it's getting to the point where it's just so overblown and it's just so out of control. It's like he's this untouchable. But I know. you look at his season this year, and there were games where he really didn't play that well. And and I, I I'm just I, I don't know. I, I I think you know like I said I do think the Packers are gonna win. But let's right. not just assume all of these things are gonna yeah. happen. It's like it's yeah. like yeah, Adrian Peterson will rush for 200 yards. Okay. Yeah, no, I know that that's ridiculous. I, I actually have uh, the in two thousand nine, I I felt you know I, I felt like a kinship with Aaron Rodgers because I drafted him super late, right? Uh, as a as a high upside guy who was who would probably be in a high octane offense, and uh, you know he posted unbelievable numbers, right. and, and he was maybe the best value. Definitely the best value of a quarterback. Maybe the best value of anybody that year w- w- from where he was drafted. I forget exactly where, right. but it was way down in drafts. And uh, so I, I mean, I uh, you know I fed I, I fell head over heels for for Rogers at that time. But you know, like like any anything you know, like like we were talking about Russell Wilson hipsters. Yeah. You know, they, he he uh, he grows stale after a while, that's and, right. and that's happened for sure. We're I'm I'm gonna have this exact rant in two years when Russell Wilson's this star in the NFL and he's just blowing everything up, and everyone's just over exaggerating his yeah. talents. I mean, it's, yeah. just, it's incredible. But so uh, so those are our picks. I think I, I'm assuming you have the same as I do, other than San Fran, Green Bay. You got Seattle, Denver, and New England. That's right. Yeah. So. We'll see what happens. Uh, I think it'll be a pretty good divisional round. I hope it will at least. The last last week was pretty awful. Yeah, you know, I, I feel I feel like it's a cop out picking those three teams uh, in those <laughs> in those games that that have kind of uh, well higher point spreads except for the Seattle one. But I, I you know I can't I just can't give you a reason Houston can win. I can't give you a reason Baltimore can win in Denver. Right. You know, for those two games. You know, if I can't think of a way, I would just if I said that the Ravens win, I would just be saying the words. I don't believe <laughs> right. it. I don't right. know any anyone outside of Baltimore. I, I live I live twenty five minutes outside of Baltimore, so I know about this. But uh, uh, you know, I don't know how anybody outside of this this immediate area could say that and really believe it. It's just so I do feel like it's a cop out. It's definitely not brave, but it's you know it's the right, right. pick. I think. Yeah. I, do you ever get like the feeling when you're when you're making picks for games that you just have to not pick that a certain way because it's the NFL? Like, yes. I mean, you just you just like no, I'm I'm I, I'm gonna pick Baltimore because the NFL doesn't make any sense. Absolutely, right? it's like the fa- the Falcons. You know, I hate I hate the Falcons this weekend. I think they're soft. I think that Seattle will will come in and and run roughshod over them. But then again, I know. I mean, I know I've thought that before, and then right. a home playoff team blows someone out, and then I'm like, oh, okay, well, obviously they would blow them out because they're a home playoff team and they're the number one freaking <laughs> yeah, seed. Exactly, exactly. And and the, you know, to be fair, I I do think that uh, you know, the Seattle played pretty bad in that first quarter against Washington. They did. So I mean, you never know. You never know. But those are our picks for the uh, divisional round. We'll. Reloop and see see how we did. I guess back on uh, on Monday. So I think the the real uh, core of this pod is to talk about our top tens of 2013. 
which you guys will probably not be drafting until August of 2013, which is, I don't know, like nine months from now. Uh, so, but it's never too early. It's always fun to speculate. It's always fun to, to think about these things. Uh, you know, I don't think, I don't think a lot of the, the studs out there are necessarily in contract disputes or, you know, there, there aren't many iffy situations with the top guys. Uh, you know, you get further down and you have guys like Michael Vick who you just don't know what his future holds, but... Um, so I think, you know, going through these top, the, the top 10 here, obviously they're subject to change because it's January, but, uh, you know, at the same time, I think a lot of these are probably pretty solid picks unless we, uh, get a little crazy, who knows, but with the saved by the bell theme, I've decided with this pod for each player I name, I'm going to compare them and contrast, I guess, uh, the, uh, each player to characters on saved by the bell. Some of these will not make any sense at all. I really like analogies. Do you like analogies? I think they're fun. I, I do, and I, I think that uh, we have just the audience of uh, of the nine, children of the '90s here to, yeah, to listen to right. these great comparisons. Exactly. I mean, it's it's phenomenal. Some of the, but just just you know, a fair warning. Some of the the analogies I'm gonna they're gonna be really weird and random, and they <laughs> might they might not make that much sense. So, uh, do you want to start it off with your first pick? Yeah, you know, draft? look, I, I think more more than any year that I can remember. I mean, I ha- I haven't I have not been playing this game for like thirty years, like like some guys, but but uh, more than any year that I can remember, I think next year or this year, twenty thirteen, will be the year where you could actually be hung in the public square for suggesting <laughs> that Adrian Peterson is not the number one overall pick. I mean, I. I think you could. I think that pe- that people could actually do that to you, I, I think and so, and so. everybody would be fine with it. It'd be like, yeah. yeah, okay, well, you know, that that guy needs to go. He said the AP is not the first pick, right? Hung, hung while wearing an Adrian Peterson jersey. It, yeah, I mean, what 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 else, right? right. And uh, well, maybe maybe a Christian Ponder jersey just yeah, for that, the uh, humiliation. Yeah, of that'd all. be but, awesome. Yeah. Uh, I I just I think that he is the most consensus number one pick of my memory. I mean, I don't want to say ever, but I, I just, I can't imagine someone being like, eh, AP, I'll go with anyone else. I mean, yeah. just, just go with him. Let's just put it in, put it in stone. AP number one this year. Yeah. So, um, I, I obviously completely agree. I, I don't, I don't see how you couldn't go that way. And obviously my Saved by the Bell comparison here is Zach Morris, right? He's sure. the He's the guy. He's all, he's reliable. He's always there. I think that Adrian Peterson might even have a cell phone as big as Zach Morris had. <laughs> and and another, you remember you remember back in Saved by the Bell when Zach Morris would call timeout. You remember that? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, and everything would stop. I feel like that's Adrian Peterson on the football field, right? Oh sure. Calls the timeout. Sure. Everyone just stops, and he just he just runs for two hundred and forty yards and six touchdowns. Right, and and it, he also has you know like Zach the glorious blonde hair, so I think yeah, that that's yeah, a good yeah yeah exactly person. exactly yeah. So I, I I think I think Adrian Peterson equals Zach Morris. That's what we're getting here. Okay. So uh, I'll get I'll do my second pick before you do, and th- this is probably the worst analogy, but this is uh, this is AC Slater, and I am comparing him to your favorite man Doug Martin. All right. Yeah. So I, I just, I, I literally in my notes here, I have AC Slater, Doug Martin, a monster. So <laughs> I, 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 I don't know if if Doug Martin calls his teammates mama. I, I just, I mean, I, I really have no, uh, no good comparison here. But that was my, uh, my, my character analogy. But 
you know, Doug Martin clearly showed some some signs of greatness this year with his uh, you know, his his eighty plus point two week performance in weeks eight and nine, I think it was. And uh, you know, he only had four single digit games this season, and one of those games went for nine point eight points. So I think a big thing for Doug Martin and what you want in a fantasy running back is touches and the consistency. And, you know, he, he dropped off a little a little bit towards the end of the season. I mean, he had a good week 17, I think. But um, I think with Doug Martin, you're, you're getting the, the kind of back that you need to, uh, to start your team off in a draft. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, I have him a little later. Uh, my, my number two guy is I'm, I'm all aboard this January hype train of C.J. Spiller. Here we go. <laughs> I uh, I have him as high as two. Look, I I get that that's super high. I get that a lot of people will be able to draft him. It, I mean, who knows? But they'll be able to draft him likely at the 10, 11, 12 mark uh, come come July and August. But look at the all this talk of a pass oriented offense, of a uh, fast paced system under uh, Maroney, the new uh, coach of, uh, in Buffalo. Uh, the 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 commitment to Spiller down the stretch, uh, the fact that uh, I, I read that he almost Spiller almost broke a, a metric of of Pro Football Focus uh, that they've been keeping track of for a lot of years because of his uh, I think it was his average yards uh, per touch, wow. and uh, it just I mean his his uh, ability is off the charts I think. And given, you know, if he's ever force-fed the ball, uh, I think that, that he could be the, you know, a leading running back in the league. He was uh, ninth in uh, running back fantasy points, and all anyone could say all year was free C.J. Spiller. So imagine if he was free, basically. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's a very, very solid point. I, I, I'm I a huge Spiller fan. I I just, he's one of those guys... You know, I mean, I'm. I would love to have him on my team next year, but he, his rookie season, I, for whatever reason, I had this like rookie fever during his rookie year, and I drafted him, Ontario Hardesty, and Ryan Matthews. Yikes. Their rookie season, Eesh. just so I just I get that that feeling whenever we talk about CJ Spiller. But I mean, obviously he's on my list, and I'll get to him later. But. Yeah. So uh, who's your number three guy? Uh, you know, uh, I I had him a lot lower uh, before. Andy Reid was hired in KC, but uh, I, I have to put Jamal Charles in this uh, in this slot because uh, I, I know that there were two reactions to Reid getting hired. It was one, it was ecstasy. Oh my God, Jamal Charles is going to be on a real team and be able to put up unbelievable stats. And then the other, then the other reaction, the only other reaction was I have to drop Jamal Charles in all formats and all my dynasty formats yeah. because his his value shot. There's no, there's no statistical evidence that Andy Reid is not going to fe- feed him the ball. Okay, so he doesn't rush for 14 or 1500 yards. Uh maybe he rushes for 1200, but he w- he will definitely triple the right. 250 receiving yards he had this year. So let's let's get real. Let's everybody calm down. He's going to be a monster in this in this system. Yeah, I, I think you're exactly right. And the, the well, I'll get to him later. PPR format, he's going to be a beast next year. Oh, absolute yeah. beast. Oh, absolutely. Yes. Um, so my number three guy, uh, right now the 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 character. Now picture, remember Tory? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the leather jacket Tory. Sure. So, Tory is Arian Foster, and the reason for that, I don't think Arian Arian hipster Arian Foster likes to wear leather jackets. 
But I do think that although I have him at number three, he could be a quick fader next year. He could just oh, be, yeah. he could just be there one season and gone the next. So, you know, I I, I have Foster here. I think his his it's not that he's old. It's just it's that usage. I mean, they they just hand him the ball relentlessly in Houston, and and that alone is frightening. I get that he's talented, but his yards per carry. I mean, they're not that strong. It was four. He had a four point one yards per carry this this year which hovered around the same uh, yards per carry average as Steven Jackson and Jonathan Dwyer. And, sure. I, I mean, I watched a lot of Steeler football, and I, I don't want Jonathan Dwyer anymore. I love Jonathan Dwyer, for the record. I was yeah. a big believer in him. But right. that's, yeah. that's, that's, for another, that's for another day. But, uh, you know, and, and Ben Tate was hurt for a lot of the season. I think he had that hamstring injury. And, and Ben Tate's, I, I think, though, he does have a, a contract uh, – that's uh, expiring this offseason, right. but you know, I, I think I think you do. You're starting to get with with Arian Foster. You obviously know the upside. He's going to score a lot of touchdowns, but at the same time, you the, you have to be a little bit frightened in taking him that high. Well, his uh, his two closest uh, Chad Parsons uh, from Pro Football Focus had a great series of tweets on Arian Foster uh, last week. Uh, where he said the two closest comparables to to today's Arian Foster heading into next season are Ricky Williams after he got his gigantic workload for the Dolphins in mm-hmm. in his second year with the Dolphins, and uh, Sean Alexander who dropped off right. the face of the planet. Uh, yeah. You know, I, I think in the, in the year that he was drafted number two after LT. So yeah, uh, I, I, I you know it's something to watch for. It's definitely. He can keep his value afloat with a ton of touchdowns, but you don't want to rely on that. You just you just don't. I mean, mm-hmm. Calvin Johnson doesn't have to rely on that because you know, as we saw this year, he scored five five touchdowns, right? Uh, uh, and uh, still the leading receiver in the league. Uh, Arian Foster is not going to put up that kind of yardage to be able to keep that keep his value that high. Yeah, I I mean I like I said, you know, I have him at three. It's it's kind of that that. It, you know, I want to say it's safe because you know what you can get from him, but the risk obviously is the wear and tear, and this, right. and it's not it's not the year long or the career long wear and tear. It's the the previous season wear and tear, and we we see that a lot with running backs that that actually go through the playoffs and into the Super Bowl. Uh, you know, Rashard Mendenhall when we when the Steelers played played the Packers in the Super Bowl a few years ago, the next season he just did not look the same. He did not he was not the same running back. Sean Alexander, like you said, made that run to the Super Bowl. You know, the next season he just dropped off the face of the earth. So it's not, I mean, it's not just because they played so many games. It's because they got that many touches. And Arian Foster is a guy who is just getting an unreal amount of touches. But that alone, too, is a good thing. Yes. So. Yes, it is. All right. So who's your next guy? Uh, well, I just mentioned him. But Megatron goes fourth for me because uh, I just, I just was amazed uh i tr- i traded for him a mid-season in a ppr league with a guy who was obviously insane and also just i guess depressed that he that megatron wasn't posting you know three touchdowns a week you know like he was in 2011 so yeah. uh so I, I i i got him in that league and you know he's 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 gold i mean he he's gonna get you an unbelievable amount of yards and and receptions no matter what, yeah. Uh, 
he didn't score a touchdown for the last month of the season. The last month. Right. Okay. And and he still led all receivers. He still scored even more than Brandon Marshall, who had a ton more touchdowns than he did than Cal- than Calvin did. Uh, I wrote an article for the Fake Football back in August saying, uh, "Please, for the love of God, don't draft Calvin Johnson in the uh, first five picks." Right. I, I, you know, that's 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 foolish. Uh, <laughs> apologize for that. Sorry, everybody, and uh, and uh, I, I won't make that mistake again. Yeah, well, at least you. I, I, I did a little bit of a VBD analysis on him, and uh, actually, I wrote it on David Gonos' site. It was one of my one of the first ones that I pushed out uh, post book launch and you know, VBD had, had told me from given the projections that Calvin Johnson had that he was not a good first round pick. Like he, it, it was not advantageous to get him in the first round. And right. a lot of my uh, analysis on, on Megatron coming into this season was look, you know, he relied heavily on touchdowns and his, his front half of 2011 was, was, really weighed his his back half and and made and skewed his his you know his cumulative total at the end of the seasons but but you know this season you you cannot question anymore I mean he's 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 more reliable than a running back like yes touch wise and and the amount that that Stafford looks to him the, the the one thing that that I do wonder is given the injuries on on the Detroit offensive side of the ball with you know with Nate Burleson and and, and guys on offense, is that going to impact Megatron? Probably not, but it's just something to think about as you know we move into 2013. Yeah, I agree. That will be something to watch. But I think the addition of if Broyles is able to ever come back from that injury, right. if I guess Titus Young, say what I mean, he's a total D bag and everything, but <laughs> the guy's also an incredible talent. If if they could get some real receivers uh, on the other side of the field, then I think that that would only be good for Calvin. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, so my my fourth guy, you had already mentioned him. I'm gonna get on the Jamal Charles train. Good. Um, and he is he is Kelly Kapowski, because he's because he's a wow. sexy pick. He's the sexy oh, pick. Yes. Yeah. Everyone loves Kelly Kapowski. Come on. Yes. Uh, I uh, Kelly Kapowski. I think uh, gave a, a lot of people funny feelings uh, yeah. that they weren't quite sure what 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 those were. What was time. going on? Yeah, that's right. So. Uh, <laughs> You know, I I agree completely with with what you had said earlier. I, I think that his upside is huge. He's he's just got an unbelievable upside. We know what he's capable of doing, and and one thing that's cr- I mean it's crazy. We we're all talking about Adrian Peterson what he's done since coming back from injury. Jamal Charles had over fifteen hundred yards rushing this year. It's it uh, on on arguably the worst offense in the league. Yes, and, and so. I, I think that, uh, you know, Jamal's a, a solid, solid early first-round pick. Um, I think as we move closer to the actual draft, I could easily bump him ahead of Arian Foster. Yeah, no, I, I think so. You know, listen, he, he ran for 1,500, and he played the, the Raiders twice. The Raiders, which they were awful, awful against fantasy running backs. And he combined, I think, for 14 rushing yards in two games against yeah. the Raiders. So those were two lost games. Right. Right, you know, and he's he's one of the guys that you're not gonna get uh, the week to week consistency, but you're gonna get, um, you know, those games that literally are gonna win you as a particular fantasy game. And sometimes, yeah, they, sometimes that's that's what you want at times. But again, later on sure. in this in the pod, I'm gonna get into that. 
Uh, so my, I'll, I'll, I'll get into my number five guy. That's where I have CJ Spiller. Um, from a, from a saved by the bell analogy perspective, he's screech because I think that once you give him a shot, he could probably be the star of the show. Fair. Although, <laughs> yeah, du- although Dustin, Dustin Diamond was the star of his own show. Uh, I, don't, I hope that CJ Spiller doesn't go down that route, but you know, <laughs> Chan Gailey, we've already talked through this Chan Gailey being gone. We all know what CJ Spiller is capable of doing. You know, the one thing that we should be concerned about is durability because he's a, a speedy, smaller back uh, and he's, he's been hurt in the past. I mean, that's obviously something that we got to think about with, with Spiller, but his upside, he's, he's got more upside than anyone other than Adrian Peterson, I think. How dare you mention injuries? I don't want to hear anything negative about CJ <laughs> Spiller right now. I'm enjoying this. I, I'll continue to enjoy this this myth that I built in my head that I'm going to draft him in the first round and everything's going to be fine. And I mean, if a guy like that gets injured, I, I'm just I'm going to move to Appalachia or something. <laughs> do you do you kind of get like that that DMC uh, feeling about not not to say that they're the same kind of back, but do you do you kind of get that feeling with Spiller? Like sure, like you know, DMC coming into 2000, uh, 2012, I I was enormously huge on him. It was unreal, and <laughs> you know, so many people were because we we look at him and we look at his body of work, and like any elite running back, if you can get twelve elite games from a running back, you need that running back, and DMC right. was the was that to a T, and so I I I get that kind of weird feeling with Spiller. Oh, yeah, no, I, I mean, it, it, you, you have to ratchet down your expectations eventually because uh, DMC, even if he had a, a good season and didn't get injured, I still I still think he would not have reached the, the epic levels that we set in our minds, you know? Yeah. It, it, you guys can't reach that. You know, the, the reason we're so happy uh, about guys like Alfred Morris is because we take a shot on, on a guy like Alfred Morris late in the draft, and we hope for 50 yards and maybe a touchdown each week, you know, coming in. And then we see, oh, my God, this guy's a workhorse who's going to go for 100 and a touchdown every week. Right. And he exceeds our expectations. So I think it is it is important. You're right. Even even with the great, clearly future Hall of Famer, clearly the greatest player to ever put on pads, C.J. Spiller, I think that <laughs> it's important to keep expectations in check. Yeah, and, and you know, we – it's very easy for you, me, and and the Bills fans out there that hate the fact that that C.J. Spiller didn't get a lot of touches this year to say feed him the ball and that he's going to keep up this pace. He's going to continue right. to have this six yards per carry average and he's going to score two touchdowns a game if you just feed him the ball. But I mean, it's 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 difficult. He's never he's never had a full season like that where he's continuously getting touches. I think he had what do you have like two of seven this year or something. And I, I you know when you get you know, it, obviously, if Spiller gets 250 touches, let's say, and and he keeps up a pace of even five yards a carry, he's going to be a top back. But right. in the end, if you really, um, you know, you, you have to be realistic because he's a human being, and the more he runs the ball, the more he's going to get worn down. Although some people might think he's not a human being. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, So who do you got at five? I think you're on five, right? Yeah, five. Uh, Doug Martin at five. I mean, I, I love the guy. I, I wrote a lot about him before the season. Uh, 
Uh, I mean, very very rarely do you get a, a goal line back who's also going to get uh, a ton of touches, no, no matter the score. You know, uh, he's not going to come come out. He's not a situational back in, in any sense of the word. So uh, I don't think it gets much much safer than him at five. Yeah, I mean, I already I have him at two, so I completely agree. Right. Uh, who do you got at six? Uh, I play Arian Foster there. I didn't want to, but <laughs> I just did. I, I, I just I think you know the guy gets so so many touches, and yeah. you can't say that about a lot of guys. Uh, uh, so you know, I guess plug him in there. Uh, but I, I would not. I would definitely would not blame. Uh, owners for uh, passing him up and and seeing if he fell to you know eight or nine or ten. Yeah, I, I hear you. I think he's gonna be one of the, he's gonna be one of those guys where you look at ADP charts in in July and August and he just drops steadily. You know, I, I just the more the more that people are gonna write about him, the more people are gonna not want to draft him. And it's, sure. it's crazy to think about because he he didn't do anything wrong this year. You know he. He, I mean, obviously his yards per carry weren't that strong, but he, from a fantasy perspective, he was phenomenal. And so, yeah. you know, it, it's it's hard to say think, something like that, but we have to be realistic. And the shelf life of a running back in the NFL is only like two and a half years nowadays. And not yeah. everyone, not everyone is Adrian Peterson. No, they, listen, they they burn fast and bright, and uh, this is uh, this is this is going to happen to everybody except Purple Jesus. That's right. That's right. Exactly. My uh, my number six guy. Well, it's it's a woman. It's Miss Bliss. Remember Miss Bliss? I do. Yeah. So she's wise, right? She was a very wise woman. That was that's the word that comes to mind when I think of Miss Bliss is wise. Right. And my player is Ray Rice because it's a wise choice. Uh, hmm. Because I think, you know, first off, Ray Rice is turning twenty six this month. He's not very old. He. He didn't get the amount of touches that we all wanted him to get this year in Baltimore, but he was still a very consistent back, and that's that's the kind of pick that I like to go after in the first round, uh, the, the safer bets, which is why I had Foster a little bit higher than, than most will have. Um, you know, I, I hate the Ravens with a passion, but I, I do think uh, one thing that people are going to uh, be a little hesitant with, uh, with Ray Rice, is Bernard Pierce. Yeah. It, it, you know, it, it's it's that simple. Um, but I think, you know, Ray Rice is still a, a solid, solid PPR guy, and uh, the the team needs him to to be successful. Yeah, yeah, and I actually uh, I have Rice at seven, uh, okay. and that's you know that's something uh, I was going to mention was Bernard Pierce. I'm not. No one is suggesting that Bernard Pierce is going to become the workhorse overnight here. But you can see that the Ravens have a lot of trust in Pierce. He doesn't make stupid rookie mistakes. He runs hard. He's deceptively fast, uh, and uh, you know he gets a lot of he gets a lot of playing time. Let's just face it. You know, let's just face it that that Ray Rice is not the every snap kind of guy that Doug Martin is uh, right now. Uh, I know I know Harbaugh was uh, punishing Rice last week when he fumbled for the second time but Pierce played you know I don't know 10 snaps 12 snaps in a row without without Rice coming off the bench so mm-hmm. uh Bernard Pierce definitely becomes just on a side note definitely becomes the top a a top uh handcuff next year if not the top handcuff yeah I think that's a really good point with the handcuff you know another uh Chad Parsons the same guy you were referencing earlier from from pro, pro football focus 
he uh, he tweeted out earlier before we started the pod that I think it was over the last three years the Ravens have had ten games where they did not throw a touchdown pass, and they're nine and one in those ten games, which shows you how important it is for them to give Ray Rice the ball. I mean, it's not. It's really not rocket science. I watch a I watch a lot of Ravens football, just given my my Steeler allegiance, and it it blows me away at how they run that offense. Now I get that they just fired Cam Cameron, but they're really I mean they haven't really changed much since he's since he's been gone. So yeah. uh, so I got Ray Rice there at six. Uh, you know, so we'll and, and you have him at seven. You said so. I'll get to yep. I'll get to my seven, and my seven is Megatron. So I finally finally get him in there. Uh, I, think, right. I think it could raise a little bit as we get closer to the actual draft. He is my Mr. Building. He's he's the he's the staple guy. He's he's gonna he's gonna be there for years because he's a wide receiver and he doesn't have that wear and tear like the running backs do. And he might even make it to Save by the Bell, the new class. <laughs> oh no! Oh god, the atrocity, the atrocity. Yeah. So so I got I have Megatron there, just like I said earlier. You know, he we have to treat him like a running back. It is no he is no longer in fantasy terms a wide receiver. He the the amount of targets he gets, the amount of receptions he gets, and the, the amount of yardage he gets. Matthew Stafford, as we talked about last pod, had a very mediocre season from a from a quarterback fundamentals perspective. But it didn't matter because he had Calvin Johnson. And I think that alone just shows you how good of a wide receiver Calvin Johnson is and can be and will be next year. I agree. So who do you got at number eight? Uh, This was was tough between uh, my eight and nine guy, but uh, I had to put Marshawn Lynch there uh, just because of the incredible consistency. And uh, that – now, I don't know – if they're going to continue, uh, that you know what they're doing on offense uh, this year into into next year, but if they are, if if the threat of Russell Wilson, uh, you know, uh, taking the ball himself is still there, then I think that's great for Lynch because it keeps defenders off off guard, and uh, we've seen what Lynch can do to off guard defenders. We've seen what Lynch can do to any defender. I mean, the guy, the guy, like he truly is like pure evil on the field. Oh, I mean, yeah. he it's just, insane. he just, he just bulldozes people. Yeah. looks for contact, churns his legs. He gets goal line touches all day. Uh, you know, I would feel, I would feel blessed to have him at eight. Yeah. I actually, I have him at eight as well. He's my, uh, he's my Lisa turtle. Like you said, he's, he's reliable. He's, he's just there and he's probably, <laughs> he's underrated. He's not the sexiest guy, not the smartest guy. But he's just consistently there for you. He's like your best friend, right? I feel like, you sure. know, Marshawn Lynch has to be one of the most entertaining running backs to watch in the league, just because, you know, I, I, he's he's kind of got that Jerome Bettis attitude where he's he's not the fastest, he's not well, he might be the strongest because he's kind of a beast. But, you know, I, I think he has that he between the ears attitude of I can just bulldoze anything that I want. And we yeah. saw that in that run against the Saints in the playoffs, and and I I think I think Marshawn is one of the safer guys, low floor, or a high floor, low ceiling kind of kind of guy in the first round that you would take. Uh, yeah. So yeah, I I also have him at eight. All right. Um. So I'll go with number nine. This is where this is another guy that I think is a, is a similar type uh, fantasy play as long as they keep his. Uh, his touches consistent as they were this year, and that's Alfred Morris. 
which I think is higher than than some uh, other rankings I've seen. But uh, I have I have Alfred Morris here. He is he's my Jesse Spano because I'm so excited. I'm so excited. I'm so scared. I just I'm so scared. I'm so scared. I just you know I. I you you have to be excited about what he did from a, especially from a week to week consistency perspective. There was I don't know if there was a running back other than maybe Adrian Peterson that was more consistent week to week than than Alfred Morris was, and that alone, if they continue to feed him the ball, if RG three RG three's health is important because he just like Russell Wilson and Marshawn Lynch will keep that defense honest and will allow holes to open for Alfred Morris. You know I think. One thing that gets uh, overlooked in a lot of the, the rookie of the year talk is the fact that, you know, people will say that, that Alfred Morris made RG3 better. But I think that it's, it's the opposite. You know, I think opening, when, when, when the field opens, when RG3 runs the ball, it opens up the, it just opens things up for Alfred Morris. And I get that it does the same thing for, in Seattle with Marshawn Lynch, but you're also talking Marshawn Lynch, who has proven himself in the past to be a very solid running back. And that, that were, that's where I think you have to give the edge to RG3. I know I'm going on a little bit of a tangent here, but, uh, you know, Alfred Morris, he, it's, it's hard to tell exactly how good he's going to be because we only saw one season, and we don't want a Dominique Davis. We don't, oh. want, we yeah. don't want a situation like that. So I do have him at nine right now, and I think that he's – He's a very solid back, but just given kind of the way that he's come about and given the fact that he's on a Shanahan offense, it's still frightening. Yes, uh, absolutely. I actually, I have him in line too. And, and everybody, we, JJ and I did not, even though we're father and son live in the same house, we, we did not <laughs> discuss these rankings uh, beforehand. So the uh, eight and nine Lynch and Morris situation is pure coincidence. But uh, I have him at nine. For all those reasons, uh, plus I think that he could be a fast riser if any one of the aforementioned backs, you know, ha- has a, has a preseason injury, yeah. uh, or you know is scheduled to split the workload in some way. I think that Morris could become the safer pick because Morris isn't sharing with anybody. Yeah. I mean, you know, let's just face it: Shanahan is no longer trolling fantasy owners, at least for the time being. So. Uh, I think he's pretty much as safe as it gets in a in a in a great running system, and um, he he still has very little mileage on his tires. So let's yeah. let's keep let's keep riding him. Yeah, and I think the one thing to point out with Morris is the fact that he did not hit any sort of rookie wall. I mean he Good. he that that is hugely important to see because you know that he can really handle the workload and he can he can do some big things. He's a he's a really good back. I mean whether we want to believe it or not, and I mean. We, we were all so afraid of drafting Redskins running backs. I told everyone to not draft a Redskins running back. And, yeah. you know, Roy, Roy Hallou, when you look back, uh, Keith Black just wrote a great article on, on LateRoundQB.com about ranking consistencies and how experts rank uh, players at the beginning of the season and, and, and so on, just kind of showed regressions and really neat things. And he... Uh, so in the article, the, there were there was no greater outlier than Roy Hallou, and it's it's hilarious. Just Roy Hallou, he's he's a, he was part of any sort of fantasy football conversation at one point. Yeah, he was. I mean, I, I just as a DC uh, resident uh, near near DC anyway. Uh, they all anyone talked about was Hallou, but 
I did want to say before we get off Morris, he does have one other thing in common with Jesse Spanos. You know what it is? What's that? Both were in Showgirls. Oh, I don't man. know if that. Yeah. Man, yeah. that's a that is a yeah. that's a great point. Yeah, yeah, you gotta. It's on Cinemax at three thirty this morning if you want to check yeah. it out. Yeah, I think I might need to do a little bit of photoshopping after this and get, <laughs> okay. get an Alfred Morris head yes. on that body. Uh, so who's who's the last guy on your list there, Denny? Uh, I I plugged in Lashawn McCoy at ten uh, because um, I I know that people are going to be uh, are going to shy off of him after this year, but he's not particularly what we would call injury prone. Uh, you know, he had the, he. It's not like he uh, he he shredded a, a knee or broke a foot or broke a hand or something. It was, it was a concussion. And, uh, when he came back, I thought he looked pretty good. So, um, uh, I, you know, he's still very young, uh, still in a relatively decent offense. I know it depends on, you know, who they have as their, uh, coach next year, but, uh, let's, let's, uh, let's give this guy another chance. And honestly, he's another guy who could easily be taken higher than this, but 10, I think is a good, is a good spot for him. Yeah, you know, I I uh, did I, I've done a lot of thinking on on weekly rankings and uh, weekly fantasy play and how that should be the real indication of how we look at fantasy football. Uh, I didn't, you know, I I felt I, I felt guilty, uh, and I was a victim of uh, you know looking at at fantasy football from a cumulative perspective, even in my book that I wrote, and I'm changing that entirely uh, when when the new book launches in May. And, and LaShawn McCoy is a perfect example of this. He played in 12 games this year, and if you look at his weekly stats, he never ranked anything below 25 at running back in a given week. And he, ne- I mean, he, he didn't rank anything higher than four, but what you got was a guy that was a startable running back nearly every single time that he hit the field. And that, right. that is unbelievably underrated. And you, you look at cumulative totals, and you see that he was ranked 21st overall, but that's factoring in four goose eggs when he was hurt. And and it's not it's not as though when he's hurt you're you're slotting in nobody in his in his spot in your lineup. I mean, you could have gotten Bryce Brown. Yes. You could have had someone else in, on your bench. You could you can fill it in. And that I mean, I'm kind of getting into what I'm going to talk about in my rant, but you know, that alone is something that people will overlook and LaShawn McCoy is my 11th guy. If I if I were to have an 11th guy, um but I completely I think that he is could be a potential steal at the end of the first early second round, just an absolute steal. We know what he's yeah. he was a top three pick this year for a reason. Right. You know, it's not it's not like I mean the, the whole Eagles offense kind of shat the bed. You know, <laughs> the, the, it's not like it's not like it was just. It, and Lashawn McCoy didn't even play that bad when he actually played. So I, I definitely I, I dig the pick. Uh, my my tenth guy is another AFC Norther. Trent Richardson, another another rookie from this year, and the last analogy that I have is probably the worst one, other okay. than the, other than the AC Slater one. So I have Trent Richardson as Max the Magician from the Max. Remember, remember Max the Magician? Right, yeah. the the drunk magician. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Or I, yeah. I always assumed he was drunk. Yeah, you have to assume that. Well, I think that Max probably got overlooked as a magician because he owned the Max, and I think that Trent Richardson gets a little bit overlooked because he plays for the Browns. So you see what I did there? I compared the, the Max. And you are reaching. You are reaching to the Browns organization. Does that mean that Zach Morris hangs out at the Browns? Or I don't know. But so, <laughs> so you know, Trent Richardson. It's it's on pure quantity here. He he didn't really 
he didn't show us a whole lot this season. He had some plays where he, you know, he had some bruising, bruising plays. But, uh, you know, I, I went and I wanted to see his exact yards per carry before I got on the pod, and I went on the ESPN stats page, and, and I, I, I sorted it by yards per carry, and I kept scrolling down and scrolling down, and he was actually listed at the bottom of the page because he had wow. a 3.6 yards per carry this year, and that is not something that you want out of a running back. I mean, you... He, he, he got plenty of touches. He, he didn't have a bad fantasy season because he got in the end zone, but you do want more from him. I think a lot of this pick would ride on who their coach ends up being, and I, I think a lot of it, um, you know, you got to kind of see how, how he does in camp and in the preseason if, if you're drafting a little bit later. Um, but right now I have Trent Richardson. Love LaShawn McCoy, just like I said. Plus he's a pit guy, and that's my, that's my school. So. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah. Um, do you have any any guys, any quarterbacks that that might be getting overlooked a bit in the next year's draft? Yeah, I mean, the, I I wanted to go out on a limb and and pick someone maybe a little riskier, but maybe maybe, maybe this guy is risky. I, I can't really get a get a good feel on how fantasy owners uh, feel about Colin Kaepernick uh, yeah. because I think that there are two kind of polar opposite camps one is that he that he could be you know a a really solid not 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 elite but a really solid quarterback for a long time and then the other is uh he's just a gimmick and you know he'll be gone in three years in 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 a year i mean there there's still people i talk to who are like yeah so when is alex smith getting his job back what are you talking about alex smith i mean what what do you why are we even talking about this guy colin kaepernick is a significant upgrade anyway I think that that Kaepernick will probably, I mean, will he be a top ten uh, quarterback in uh, as as far as uh, mock drafts go next year in, in ADP? I I doubt. I mean, I doubt it. I think he'll slip to eleven, twelve, maybe even thirteen, fourteen, because uh, uh, you know people just don't have a good feel for for what he can do. Uh, but I love a quarterback who can compensate for a mediocre passing game with rushing yards and rushing touchdowns and he can do that and uh i think that another year in the system will give harbaugh more trust in him i think that you know his he he has a great offensive line and the guy throws a nice deep ball i mean mm-hmm. let's let's face it he's not he's not a he's not tebow like he's not a guy who who can run and kind of chuck the ball you know here and there every once in a while he threw a couple deep balls against New England a few years, a few weeks ago, right. that were that had amazing touch, just yeah. just great touch. So, I think he has sky high uh, potential, and uh, I, I love him as a value pick next year. Yeah, I think one thing also with with Kaepernick, what Alex Smith failed to do was get Michael Crabtree involved, and Kaepernick has made Michael Crabtree a legit top ten fantasy play. I mean. Yeah, I obviously fantasy football isn't the way that you judge the way that you know a player is playing, but just just to show, Michael Crabtree was was nearly worthless with Alex Smith as his quarterback, yeah. and he's now all of a sudden a legitimate threat every single week. And I think one hundred percent of that has to do with Colin Kaepernick playing quarterback. Yeah, no, I mean they they asked. I mean Kaepernick doesn't is not uh, exactly press friendly. I've seen a few interviews with him and. He he makes uh, you know Bill Belichick look like Muhammad Ali, uh, <laughs> but uh, he so they they were like you know why are you throwing it to Crabtree so much? He was like he's open, so right. I don't know. I, I think that it's he's he's a uh, 
he's a solid guy who's going to keep force feeding the ball to Crabtree, who you know is a total douche, but is also really talented. So uh, it's 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 a good thing. How about you? Do you have a you have a quarterback who you think could uh, shock the world next year? Yeah, and it's not even necessarily shocking the world. I don't think because he's been there before. But it's Stafford. He he right now is going is in a lot of rankings is the tenth or eleventh guy off the board next year, and that to me is just shows you just that alone shows you that you can wait on a quarterback. I'm not even I'm not even gonna preach my stats and the reason why you draft a quarterback late. That alone, Matthew Stafford, tenth or eleventh guy off the board, you draft a quarterback late. The position is so deep this year. Stafford's gonna throw the ball seven hundred times again. I mean he yeah. That, that's that's why you draft them. You know, we, we, we continuously talk about uh, rushing attempts as kind of that and, and as, as that bench line for uh, stud running backs, and then uh, we talk about targets for receivers, but we don't really talk about pass attempts that often, and I think that that's one thing in this new era of football that we're going to really have to look at more. And, and if we – Andrew Luck, for instance, a lot of his fantasy success had everything to do with the amount of times he was throwing the ball. You know, and, and – uh, Matthew Stafford's the 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 quintessential person when you talk about quantity in passing attempts, and f- simply for that the fact he has Megatron, he'll get some more uh, of his receivers back. Um, I think I think that he has an opportunity, of course, to crack the top five next year. I don't even think that that should be a question that he has that upside. Yeah, I mean, look at the guy. The guy threw for uh, in that Saturday night game against Atlanta. He threw for 443 yards with his number two, three, four, and five pass catchers down on on the bench. Right. So, uh, you know, I mean, he was playing with Chris Durham, who, you know, I think it was his roommate in college. He, he's off the street. Right. He's off, the guys. The guys off the street. Like, we're, and, we're and, better. And we're Stafford better than... threw for 400 uh, with uh, with 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 Durham on the other side yeah. of of Calvin. Yeah, we're, I mean, we're better than Chris Durham. No, I I, I played fl- a flag football with him the other day. I beat him easily. It was yeah, unbelievable. Easily. Yeah, he's terrible. And and, <laughs> and uh, you know, so I, I think that's that's the direction that I'm gonna probably go with uh, late round quarterbacks next year is the safer. I mean, Ben Roethlisberger is like the 13th or 14th ranked quarterback, and it's not even that's not even me being a homer talking here. That's me saying Ben Roethlisberger this year when he was healthy before he got hurt was a top. Five or six fantasy option. Go look at it. It's insane, you know. And the the position is just incredibly deep, incredibly yeah. deep. Uh, so I guess I'll get into to the wide receiver that I think is not getting any love, and I'll stay on the Steelers, and it's Antonio Brown. Uh, he's he's my favorite football player in the NFL, so I, I will preface with that. He, I, I love the guy. I think he's insanely talented, but he pisses me off when he fumbles the ball so much. Uh, but you know. Mike Wallace is going to be gone next year. It's it's ninety nine percent going to happen, and I'm all right with that because he had a horrible season. Um, but but you know the end of Antonio Brown's biggest hit since he's you know become relevant is the, the fact that he doesn't score. His but his last four games this season he scored a touchdown in every single game, and you know he he was hurt for a little bit of the season. He got hurt in the Giants game. Uh, but, you know, you watch Antonio Brown, and he's a very, very talented receiver. If he had a little bit more size, he would be he, – he could be a top 10 fantasy option. I'm not – you know, homerism aside, I really do believe that. But I think right now I was looking at some rankings. I think Barry had him as like his 30th wide receiver or something. I mean, 
Antonio Brown's going to be the number one guy in the Steelers next year. He will be his, his Ben's number one target. Heath Miller might not be ready for the opener. Roethlisberger is going to look at Antonio Brown a lot. Emmanuel Sanders is not that big of a scrub for a number two receiver. They have Jericho Cotri. They can still open the field up a little bit. Let's hope and pray that Todd Haley gets the job in Arizona so that he's not the offensive coordinator anymore. There you but, go, yeah. But, but I, uh, I, think, I think Antonio Brown's a really, really valuable pick. The only thing that scares me off of Brown would be that he would now draw the top cover guy from each team, sure. obviously. And also, uh, size-wise, size, size wise, uh, I, don't, I don't know his size, but... Uh, I, I tend to shy away. I I was I feel like I learned a lesson with uh, Jeremy Macklin this year. Yeah. When when the when a top wide receiver is is not all that big, uh, not tall, not strong, you know can't uh, can't create space for himself. Uh, it it kind of it scares me off of, uh, of them a little bit. Uh, I I do like Brown as a value pick for sure. Right. Uh, but right. uh, I, I just don't know if he's that prototypical guy who's going to light the world on fire. And I know you're not, you're not saying that he's going to be the top wide sure, receiver. right, but, exactly. But exactly. With, with, with some touchdowns, I can see what you're saying. Yeah. So who do you got at wide out? Oh, God, I feel kind of dirty saying this because I hated this guy so much uh, early in the season, but Michael Floyd from Arizona, Ooh, nice. uh, the guy, look, at the, he, he ended the season with uh, eight catches for 166 yards and a touchdown in the season finale against San Fran. Uh, I know that that's his best game by far, and he was pretty much force-fed the ball throughout. Um, but he caught 17, let's see, 17 receptions in his final three games. Uh, obviously Larry Fitzgerald will continue to draw, uh, top cover guys and obviously the, the occasional bracket coverage, which mm-hmm. will leave, uh, Floyd out on the other side, one-on-one for a majority of, of, uh, snaps. If they have, uh, you know, if they have a decent, uh, quarterback next year, you know, even Cobb, the way he was playing okay early in the year, I, I think, uh, Floyd could be a, a major value for, for a lot of owners who, uh, you know, who who are willing to take a take a shot and maybe you know start him as a utility plug-in at the uh, beginning of the year. Yeah, and if they get more, you know, if they if they get a a head coach that uh, will run a style of offense that fits his play, you know, who knows what what he could do. Yeah. So I yeah. I, I could definitely I, I see I see him potentially having. Uh, you know, a decent season. Second year receivers are the way to go, man. I mean, yeah. You you look at everyone talks about the third year receiver role, but realistically, second year receivers are are the guys that end up breaking out. So I think Michael Floyd's a guy that you just at least look at, take a look at, and he's got potential. Anyone has potential across from Larry Fitzgerald. I feel like. Yeah. Uh, so lastly, who's your uh, who's your guy at running back that's not getting enough love? Uh, well, he probably will, but right now I don't think that people are fully acknowledging the potential of David Wilson from the Giants. Yep. Uh, I, I'm, just, I'm, I'm amazed by this guy. I, you know, I like, you know, like with Spiller, I probably have to tone it down a little bit because, yeah. uh, I don't, I don't think that he's going to be a Doug Martin type who's there on every snap. Uh, because you know he has some issues with pass block with uh, with with blocking uh, oncoming blitzers, uh, but there's nobody who can take the ball 
90 yards on any single carry like he can. I mean, not not I I would put him even above Jamal Charles in that uh, category. Yeah. He is the most electric runner that I that I see that I saw in the league all year, and uh, I think if he's even given 16, 18 touches a game, he could he could be uh, easily a top ten back. Yeah, and I and, you know Bradshaw could be on could be out of New York next season, and given uh, given his health, I would not be surprised. I mean, the guy yeah. the guy can't even walk anymore. So. Yeah, right. And and if Bradshaw goes, uh I I would not blame anybody for drafting Wilson uh in the in the top 12 picks. Yeah, I agree. I actually I got very very lucky. There was a I mean, my my big league's a, a two-guy keeper league and someone was very frustrated with it. We have a short bench and someone was very frustrated with David Wilson and I snatched him up off off the wire in like week yes. 6 or something. I just stashed him. Uh so my guy actually is kind of the opposite style runner. Um, but I have Vic Ballard. So, okay. you know, he, he's, he's the work, workhorse guy. He's in an offense that's super, super young, that's still building. If, if Bruce Arians stays there, I like what, what Vic Ballard could potentially do. I, I don't like Bruce Arians that much, but I think, you know, that offense could be something special in a few years. And, and Vic Ballard... You know, I have no idea where his ADP will end up being next season. I have I, he's he's a guy that that you know he could be uh, in the same kind of you, you might have the same attitude towards him as you did like a Michael Turner this year, um, even though you know not necessarily from an age perspective, but the way that they are. Uh, right. and, and, you know, I, he scored twice this year, and he was still a reasonably good play whenever he became the featured back in that system. It, from from week seven on, Ballard had about seven or more points in all but two of his games, and I I just think that he's a guy that has an opportunity to really grow with that offense. And I mean, Donald Brown is horrible, so it's just it, it's logical. There, it's it's an Alfred Morris type situation where there's really not anyone there competing with Ballard. Yeah, no, I I like Ballard. I I think Ballard has shown that he's more he's more than a guy who gets only what's blocked. Uh, I think that he's uh, kind of elevated out of that plotter status that he had early in the season. Mm-hmm. And uh, he, I mean, he's not a, he's not a burner by any means, but in a, in a really good offense with a, with a, with a ridiculous passing attack. Uh, I, I like him a lot. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he could, if you end up getting him as like an RB three, I think that'd be unbelievable. Yeah. You know, oh, yeah. if you, if you do go running back, running back, running back, or maybe get, Maybe Ballard drops the round four. Like I said, I don't know where his ADP would end up being, but who you know, I could see it being maybe in the third round into into sure. the fourth round. And if if you could get him as your RB three, and you, I, I think he's one of those guys that is just going to be solid. You know, I'm not expecting the world from him, but I'm expecting a a guy that will give you an, a, a good ROI. So yes. that's 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 my uh, that's my pick. So I have Stafford, Brown, Antonio Brown, and Ballard, and you had Kaepernick, Michael Floyd, and, and, Dave, uh, Wilson. and David Wilson. So there's yeah. there's our guys that aren't getting enough love this year. So but, but they will. But they will. They'll get love because we're gonna talk them up a lot. Yes. And we just have we just have such an unbelievable reach that everyone in the, <laughs> we every, have an audience of, of literally millions. Of, of don't, millions. don't let anyone say otherwise. That's right. So everyone will know that Vic Ballard's gonna be a top five pick next year because of me. Period. Yes. Not at all. So uh as we finish the the, the last uh, podcast, the first podcast, 
Uh, I'd like to do it again. It's going to become kind of a staple of our podcast. We're going to do a little bit of a rant. So, Denny, I'm going to play some music while you, <laughs> while you, while you give this rant. So uh, go ahead and, and let us know what's on your mind. All right. All right. Listen, I spend a lot of time on Twitter, as you know, as I respond to all of your all of your questions and comments within like five seconds of you sending them. And I am seeing way too much mock drafting right now. Can we can can you just can we chill out for a second? Just just for a second. I mean, look at the the season, the regular season ended two weeks ago. Uh, can can we just, you know, sober up a little bit? I you play your play your daily fantasy games. Play, you know, play the gridiron challenge on ESPN, play the NFL.com game, whatever that is. The, these are all ways to bide your time into next season. And and they're and they're nice games. But the mock drafts are crazy. They're ridiculous. They're such a waste of time. I, I mean, I think mock drafts, and trust me, I'm guilty of this. Mock drafts are a waste of time in early July because so much has yet to happen. So many people have yet to get injured. So many people have yet to emerge as as legit candidates for a lot of carries or a lot of receptions. I I think that this and and by the way, I saw a certain unnamed major fantasy outlet held a mock draft the other day that had Ahmad Bradshaw in the third round and I think I actually threw up in my mouth three times at work seeing that because that I mean that come on really I mean Bradshaw Ahmad Bradshaw now he he's he probably won't be playing for the Giants next year okay he'll probably be like you know splitting carries with Frank Gore or something so can we just can we just just relax just for like a few months with the mock drafts there, there's nothing to mock there's nothing to mock so you know just just calm down read a book i, I don't know anyway have a good off season just he's just saying to stop guys just <laughs> just stop it's out of control he's right just stop period uh, how about you so i'm gonna cue some music here so as you mentioned earlier, I got in a little little argument with the New York Times guys uh, this morning. And everyone continues to pinpoint the fact that Aaron Rodgers was the third best fantasy quarterback this season. And because of that, he was a great first round selection. First, sorry, first overall pick selection. Let me tell you something. Aaron Rodgers is Mr. Inconsistent. Look at his numbers from this season and tell me otherwise. If you really dig deep, Aaron Rodgers failed to reach more than 15 fantasy points, standard fantasy points, in 44% of his games. 44%. From weeks 1 to week 13, your regular season fantasy of of fantasy football, week 1 to 13, 13 weeks, only 6 of them was he in the top 12. Meaning that over half of his games, of Aaron Rodgers' fantasy football games, he was not even startable. And you compare that to someone that I talked about earlier, my man LaShawn McCoy, Shady, from Pitt. He missed four games of this season. He played 12 games. 11 of his games, as I mentioned earlier, ended up being startable games. Because when you're, when you're talking running back, you're not talking top 12 in a 12-team league. You're talking top 24 because every team is starting at least two running backs. So there's, a, there's, le- there's more room for error, essentially, for a running back because there's more running backs being started. LaShawn McCoy played four less games than Aaron Rodgers, and he's arguably 
had a better fantasy season than Aaron Rodgers, but everyone sees LaShawn McCoy as the 21st-ranked running back, and they say, holy God, LaShawn McCoy's a bust. But meanwhile, we all sit there and say, Aaron Rodgers was worthwhile because we got seven great weeks out of him. Not even that, five. Aaron Rodgers is not worth it. Quarterbacks in in the early rounds are not worth it. We use 2011 as a benchmark when it should not be a benchmark, given everything that happened in the preseason. Defenses weren't ready, weren't weren't prepared uh, throughout the season. You saw elite quarterbacks dominate because they're the ones that have experience under their belts. Just go look at the stats right now. Go look through them. See all of the quarterbacks that did well this season. There were t- there were 11, 4, 000, 11 or 12 4,000 yard passers. That happened twice in 2003. There is no difference between getting a guy from a week-to-week basis in Tom Brady and Drew Brees and Aaron Rodgers than having a guy like Josh Freeman throughout the season, like Andy Dalton throughout the season, like Colin Kaepernick throughout the season, and like Russell Wilson throughout the season. So in the end, everyone, listen to me. Draft your quarterback slate. Period. Done. Nicely done. That felt really good. Like, really good. Yeah. <laughs> like I've been I, like I feel like I I feel like I just went through a therapy session and I now yeah. I now need some I need like some warm towels or something to just make my body feel awesome. Yeah, I think uh I think you should go uh call Allstate, get their insurance and then cancel it immediately saying that I did, you know, saying I saw the Aaron Rodgers commercial that's right. and I'm, I'm I'm out. That, yeah, that's right. It, it's just it, it Denny it it blows me away. I'm not even, I'm not a statistician. I like, sure. I took, I humble brag. I took AP stats in high school. Sweet. Right. (laughs) But, but it's not like, you know, I'm not like this, this crazy stats guy that's looking at some unbelievable, I'm not, I'm not even looking at standard deviation. I'm looking purely at numbers and I'm showing you that from a week to week basis, elite running backs will always, always outweigh elite quarterbacks until you get some sort of Superman at quarterback. And Aaron Rodgers is not Superman. There you go. Yeah, no, I, I'm I'm with you, man. I mean, uh, I don't I don't think that you're gonna convince a lot of people who who just see uh, the the elite quarterbacks as must must haves in the first round. I think that that's kind of a worldview. Uh, yeah. I mean, just just like the late round quarterback uh, uh, philosophy is also a worldview. I mean, we like the you, you and I would never spend our first pick on a quarterback and. They a lot of a lot of other people would never dream of passing up Drew Brees if they got a chance, or passing up Aaron Rodgers. So, right. I don't think you're going to convince some people, but I think that a lot of people, I think a lot of people are catching on. I just know in my leagues, I've seen a lot less reaching for quarterbacks over the past year. Yeah, and I, you know, I think one thing that gets overlooked, and I know that we've just kind of taken this rant on a crazy tangent, but I think you know one thing that gets overlooked without getting too far into this is the fact that. When people see week-to-week ranks and they see the quarterback pool and they see so many recognizable names, they automatically think that quarterbacks are more consistent. And then, you know, randomly you'll see at running back a guy like Bryce Brown or just these these random names that, that you know, they've never heard of in their life. But at the end, the, the reason it is that way is because everyone knows quarterbacks in the NFL. Like when you see Chad Henney have a great game and him rank as – you know, he had that awesome game against Houston this year. He was like the third best fantasy quarterback that week. But you're like, oh, Chad Henney, yeah, Michigan, yeah, yeah, he played for Miami, yeah. And, and you know, they they just they, they start going out because they know about Chad Henney. But then they see 
some they see Bryce Brown and they're like, who's this? Who's this grocery guy? Like, wasn't yeah. he? Wasn't he bagging groceries a couple days ago? And, and but at, it, realistically, Bryce Brown equals Chad Henney, right? Like they're the same. They're both waiver wire guys. They're the same person. But but it's more acceptable for Chad Henney to be a top three guy than Bryce Brown. I agree. Yeah. So, so that's it, folks. That is our number two podcast of Living the Stream. I'm JJ. And I'm Denny. And we're just living the stream. It's all right, because I'm saved by the...